Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My top five reasons why Michigan will beat Ohio State again, and this time in Columbus in November. Next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Brady gets terrific. Turns it and in. Touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Collinger at the five. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schembechler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Well, the season is less than 70 days away. Uh, Big Ten football media days are just over a month away, July 26th and 27th in Indianapolis. Fall camp will start around the conference and around the country. Shortly thereafter, the college football preseason magazines, Lindy's and Athlons, are on shelves. Phil Steele's is uh, following behind here very shortly. In other words, now that we are officially into summer, football season is just around the corner. So let's fast forward, shall we? I'm going to list you or list for you my top five reasons why last year was no fluke and Michigan will beat Ohio State in football again, this time in Columbus for the first time since the Drew Henson game in 2022 years ago. Let's lay these out beginning here. All of the pressure right now 
is on Ohio State. I mean, it's like Michigan didn't even win this game last year. Didn't win the Big Ten. And, and at least some of this pressure Ohio State is putting on itself. I, and we'll get more into this with our number one reason here in a few moments. I got to tell you, the amount of complaining and whining about losing one game in 15 years to your rival, it comes across as kind of, well, it's a word that starts with the letter S. I'll spell it out again a little bit later on with our number one reason. But this is self-induced pressure. And then it's media-induced pressure. I mean, it, it's Ohio State's supposedly the biggest favorite in any Power 5 conference? Really? Really? I mean, okay, I guess. I mean, I, I can't recall. And I think if you guys watch and listen to Michigan podcast on a regular basis, you know that there's not a lot of things in life I'm really good at. Recall is one of them. I, I cannot recall a Big Ten champion that had less regard the following season about following up than Michigan. And we're not talking about, by the way, like a surprise team. It's not like Purdue got hot with Drew Brees and won it last year and everybody's like, well, he's gone now, we're moving on. It's friggin' Michigan. It's Michigan, for God's sakes. More championships in this league than any other program has. There wouldn't even be this league without Michigan. We founded the league, guys. So... Um, I like that. It, it it helps keep the eye of the tiger, keeps the chip on the shoulder, keeps the edge. The pressure's off Michigan, and they're being discounted again. My next reason why I think Michigan will beat Ohio State again in Columbus in November is Michigan is actually deeper and more explosive than it was last season. I have been consistent with this all along. This was actually the team that was expected to compete for the championship. The best talent on this team is in the youngest two classes. Well, now with the 22 class, we're talking the 20 and 21 recruiting classes. And so last year was, could Jim Harbaugh win enough games to get to this season? That's why when they were brought back against a lot of people's wishes, including my own, if I'm being honest. That's why they were all given two-year contracts because this was the year that was expected to be the run for the Roses or the drive for the playoff. This is the deepest Michigan team I have seen in a long time. With the exception of maybe linebacker, Michigan is pretty much three deep at every single position. That was the standard around here for a long time. It has not been a standard we've been able to meet, though, in a long time. But that's pretty close to the standard roster we have now. But it's not just how deep it is, but how explosive it is. This is the best collection of skill position talent from an explosiveness standpoint that I have seen at Michigan probably since the 2016 that started 11-0 and before losing that epic game to Ohio State. Next, on our countdown of the top five reasons why Michigan will do it again, the whole Ohio State season to me comes down to Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator. Everybody knows the offense is a given. It'll be great, maybe the greatest in college football again. But the last three years, Ohio State has been 8th, 10th, and 11th in the Big Ten in yards per play on defense. Jim Knowles comes in after doing a fantastic job at Oklahoma State. And I got a chance to watch him up close and personal a lot. I follow the Big 12 pretty closely. Um, And here's the thing, though. They don't play any man ball in the Big 12. And, you know, the best player in Oklahoma State's defense last year was a linebacker named Malcolm Rodriguez that, if like me, um, you love to hate to love the Detroit Lions, 
Um, the Lions got him in the sixth round, despite being an All-American, despite running like a 4-5 or 4-4-8 four, four, or something at the Combine. How'd they get a linebacker that fast in the sixth round? Well, he's 5'11", 220 pounds. All right, that's like a corner in the Big Ten. You can't play linebacker in the Big Ten at 5'11", 220. This is man ball. This is November. We're not chucking and ducking all over the yard in every single school there at Ohio State, but we're not at Michigan. So we'll see what he can do from a man ball perspective because they could go 11-0. Ohio State could go 11-0 and shut out all 11 opponents. And if they lose to Michigan at the end, Jim Knowles is a failure. That's just the deal. Number two on my list. Michigan's culture has been transformed. I, I, don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say Michigan quit in 2018 and 2019. Because, I've again, I've followed the Lions all my, you know, most of my life, so I know what quitting looks like. But Ohio State certainly broke Michigan's will. That's out of the program now. And now there is a standard. You know, the, the new players know what it takes to win a championship, to beat Ohio State. Someone has set that standard now. It's fresh in the mind when, frankly, you know, Ohio State had lost more to Purdue in the 21st century so far than it had to Michigan. And that stat is still true, by the way, sadly. But the culture has been transformed. You may argue that that was an Aiden Hutchinson thing, and that may prove to be true. We shall see. But I don't think it was strictly an Aiden Hutchinson thing. And I do sense that, and you see that even when the last two weekends Michigan has had, it's two biggest football visit weekends for recruits of the cycle. And almost all of them, when I read what they say or listen to their interviews, they talk about player-led team. The culture is different. The energy level is different. Well, that's what we saw last year before the big breakthrough. The culture is new now. It's different. It's been rebooted. Well, it's back to the future. It looks like, well, what the Michigan culture was like around here for a few decades. And then my number one reason is also a semi-troll. Dude, it might snow again. I, I cannot believe the amount of bitching and moaning and crying and whining about the snow. Ohio State still had 400 yards. C.J. Stroud was still well over 300 yards. In the snow. I mean, from the AD, Gene Smith, talking about moving the game off campus if the expanded playoff has campus sites because they'd rather play indoors, to the fans on message boards, somewhere, God rest his soul, Woody Hayes has lost his damn mind and said, what has happened to you? It's it snowed, and that's why we lost, because it snowed. I'm sorry, man. But take it from a guy who watched Rich Rodriguez, Greg Robinson, coached Michigan teams for three years. That is soft. Soft. Well, let's get a view from the scarlet and gray side of the septic tank with our good friend Mark Rogers here in just a moment. I'm guessing, I'm guessing he might have a slightly different take on what I just laid out. Let's find out when we come back. Well, I am sure he will have some reaction to what you just heard. Mark Rogers here with us. The voice of college football has himself a fantastic channel right here on YouTube, which this is the time of year you especially want to be tuning in, get ahead of those markets, get a lot of good information from correspondents covering teams all over the country. And uh, when he's not, 
being an objective and very informed college football analyst. He is a raging, raving bucknut, but mostly reasonable. Good to have you back here on the 10-Minute War. Mark Rogers, how are you, brother? I tell stories a lot, Steve, of the raging and raving back when I was 15, 20, 25. A lot less of that, but maybe you'll get a little bit of that today. And <laughs> now that I've set up the helmets, we're, we're doing a horrible job here because I was blocking the beautiful Scarlet Indigo. There we go. Nice. There we go. Very nice. Well played. So I've laid out my top five reasons why I think Michigan will do it again in November. And I'm actually putting together my preseason preview I've been doing since I was a sophomore in high school every year, which is basically a projection of the season. I'm putting it together right now. It'll be out sometime in July. But I've laid out my five reasons. I want to go, I'm going to go through these one by one and let you respond. All right. So my first reason is I just think all the pressure, number one, all the pressure right here is on Ohio State. I, I cannot remember a time that a team was the defending Big Ten champion. And it was like it never happened. No one cares. It was a blip. Everybody's moved on. There is no pressure on Michigan at all. There's a, there is an accepted off-season narrative, conventional wisdom, that this was just a one-off and um, Ohio State maybe is, is even the preseason number one team. And, I mean, I've heard several sports handicappers say they're the biggest favorite in all of the Power Five leagues. I don't mean, I don't know, man. I I'm pretty good at setting power ratings, and as you pointed out, I got a pretty decent record using them over the years. My power ratings don't say that at all, actually. But do you think there's any justification to that first point I just made? I think there is justification. So there's some some a lot of working here. So there are expectations when we th- think about okay internal expectations. We all have expectations of what we expect of ourselves on the job, and so. Uh, You hear great coaches talk about that all the time and great players. We don't care what the outside is expecting of us. We have our standard. Then you've got the outside fan base. Then you've got the media uh, component of all of it. And they all seem to be on board with Ohio State's the number one or two ranked team in the country. And they are there. That's who they are. All the preseason publications. And yes, Michigan is largely dismissed, although sixth in the country by uh, a couple of publications I picked up this week, Lindy's and Athlon's is not too bad. But I, I'm on board with the pressure aspect of this. But I don't think Ohio State has ever responded negatively, for the most part, to the pressure of expecting championships and national championships. What I find interesting is when you talk to Michigan fans, or at least the Michigan fans I speak with, which isn't nearly as many as you, but it's it's quite a bit on my channel they're still in this mode of, man, we love that Big Ten championship. We cherish that Big Ten championship, and we want to gun for another one. But they're, they're a lot more reasonable. Ohio State fans, man, it's national championship or bust. Well, that goes you know, to what I said. What I also said before you came on, some of this pressure I'm talking about is self-inflicted. It's like they expect like a three or four touchdown win against Notre Dame right out of the gate. Right. Like that's the score. Those are the scores I'm seeing from Ohio State fans. The 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 emotional portion of this that I'm more concerned about concerning Ohio State is not the expectations or the pressure, but it's the doubt. Has doubt creeped in? Uh, what happened last year? If they go down by a touchdown in the first quarter, is that going to be 
uh, more of a, a factor. Are they going to be able to do what they've done in the past, i.e. the Clemson playoff game, the second playoff game, and take that motivation and fuel them? Or is it going to work against them? All right, my next point that I raised before you came on is, and I've been, you'll vouch for this, I've been consistent about this the entire time, that this was actually the season that Michigan, from an administration standpoint, expected to compete for the Big Ten Championship, and that last year was just to hope could they win enough games to get to this launching uh, or get to this vantage point. Michigan, I think, is is absolutely deeper and more explosive than it was last season. Uh, I, I think it's the best collection of skill talent that Michigan has had since at least like 2006, the last great run under Lloyd Carr. And we're going back a ways now. So um, I think Michigan is absolutely deeper and more explosive than it was a year ago. Steve, this comes up all the time. And you know, I vouch for you and your show. I love you like a brother. I love what you do here. But and I have stated it. I have stated, <laughs> it directly, <laughs> stated it directly to you. And I have stated it to all sorts of other contributors out there on other shows and i've said man steve dace phenomenal stuff that he does i love it love his metrics he's on i'm not getting this michigan is more talented than ohio state i didn't say that by the way i said it's better it's more talented it's deeper and more explosive than michigan was last season i'm comparing michigan to michigan by the way but go ahead on your points today correct yes but your previous my previous metric did have michigan slightly deeper than Ohio State by like three points or something. But yes. I don't see it. Losing the the type of players that Michigan lost from last year's team. We don't have to go through the lineup. We go through it all the time. I just, I don't see it. And obviously when you've got a great program, you lose great players all the time. And you have to get to that point where you are just reloading, reloading. And maybe Michigan's at that point. Uh, Ohio State is usually there. I'm just looking at recruiting rankings over the past four seasons, and I'm seeing Michigan 12, 13, 12, 10, 247 sports, Ohio State 4, 2, 5, and 7. And I think the transfer portal has had very minimal impact on either one of these programs to date. Would you agree concerning Michigan's roster? For Michigan, I would agree. Uh, For Ohio State, there has been more departures in the secondary, for example, uh, the Quinn Ewers situation, for example. Um, for Ohio State, it's I think it's had more of an impact on the way out than it has had for Michigan. But Michigan will never be a huge player in the transfer portal because it has ridiculous admission trans, uh, standards for transfers. That's why basically it's it's an Olu, Oluwatimi, Cam Good kind of a grad transfer who's already had, has their undergrad degree. But um, for the most part, I mean, the way Ohio State recruits, I don't think it's like a takeaway but i do think more guys have left ohio state than michigan by my numbers yeah they've lost a lot of talent that could have produced for them jameson williams phenomenal player of course at alabama but little at ohio state so it was not productivity that was lost from the team same with quinn ewers ohio state has lost little the transfer portal hasn't affected these recruiting rankings and that's my point is that the recruiting rankings are extremely valid with these two programs and as i pointed out a few weeks ago those positions in the recruiting rankings are not all created equal. Texas A&M at one this past season, Oklahoma at eight is the same gap as eight to 40. And I pointed out the Ohio State-Michigan gap from last season, four and eight 
is the same as 8 and 24. And so 12, 13, 12, and 10 versus 4, 2, 5, and 7, I think is even more substantial than it is on the surface. I think Ohio State's flat out a more talented team. Let's get to the next reason I raised Jim Knowles. I mean, I, I know a lot about Jim Knowles. I mean, I used to own an Iowa State fan publication. I've known the Iowa State athletic director for 20 plus years. Uh, I've got a lot of friends close to that program. So I, I followed the Big 12 quite a bit with where I live. And he did a, he took him a while. He eventually built it up to a very good defense at Oklahoma State, but that is not a man ball league at all. I mean, it, it's, it is a league built around going after offenses like what Ryan Day runs, frankly, which is pretty standard schematically, certainly not from a talent perspective, but schematically, that's pretty much what you see every week in the Big, tw- in the Big 12. I mean, I look at a guy like, that, my pist- that my Pistons, my Lions drafted in the sixth round, Malcolm Rodriguez, probably the best player on Oklahoma State's defense last year. Phenomenal. Uh, why, and he ran and he, and he went to the combine, tore it up, wore, ran like a four four nine or something like that. So why is he around in the sixth round with all that productivity and with all that speed? He's five eleven and two hundred and twenty eight pounds, and that's that's how they play defense in the Big Twelve. I mean, the best defensive program in the Big Twelve in the last five years has been John Heacock, a former Michigan assistant, as the DC at Iowa State, and they've essentially run a full time dime defense. Like an umbrella, three-man down. Like what you would run against a Mike Leach team is pretty much what Iowa State runs every single week uh, against the Big 12. And and the, they just don't play man ball defense there. I'm not saying you can't do it, but we're going to find out because it's going to be dramatically different than the kinds of defenses he was asked to deploy at, at Oklahoma State. And we're not going to have to find out and wait all the way to the end of the season. We're going right. to see Iowa-Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Notre Dame will come in with a good offensive line and good backs. Here's the other thing, too, I want to mention about this, Mark. The the one-year transition that Michigan, or the one-year improvement that Michigan had under Mike McDonald. Keep in mind, the, the, the 2020 season was terrible with Don Brown. The 2019 Ohio State game was terrible for Don Brown. Other than that, he was a top three, top 10 defense every year. The 2019 defensive stats, other than the Ohio State game, were every bit as good as what Don Brown normally produced. Here's Ohio State's rank in the Big Ten defensively, yards per play the last three years, which includes the Chase Young team, 8th, 10th, and 11th. That's where Ohio State is rated in yards per play defense the last three years. And so why do I think that's relevant here? Is the McDonald was essentially taking over a defense that had a one-year blip, really, under a guy that had had top five or top ten defenses for four straight years. Knowles has taken over. He's the fourth defensive coordinator in four years, and they really haven't established a dominant defensive uh, you know, standard at Ohio State since really Urban Meyer left. So I also think the, the, the well he's drawing from here is not as further developed as what Mike McDonald inherited. But your thoughts? Well, I was going to throw away your top five points, your – entire argument right out of the gate and say Don Brown's no longer in the game coaching the defense so you have caught up (laughs) but we were going to start right there but yeah the Jim Knowles this is the Ohio State season as it is I agree I am sold on Alabama and Georgia being at the top of college football I believe Ohio State has the potential to be everything that everyone's anticipating except this is a huge question mark pros and cons the cons we'll start with is a lot of what you just laid out 
that Jim Knowles stepped in at Oklahoma State in 2018, and they regressed for two years. And uh, I don't completely believe in the total defense and and um, the the pass and rushing total defense numbers that you see, and even the points per game, but more the points per play and a lot of the more advanced metrics that come out, and even them back up. Uh, that Jim Knowles took some time, the th a third season to gain progress, and then the final result in the fifth season would have been a top five defense in the nation, maybe not a top five defense in reality, probably more 10 to 15 range, but but a really good defense. Okay, he's going to be working with better players, uh, more talented players. There are two key aspects of the personnel that that I think have to step up. So hopefully he's going to take guys that have underachieved, largely underachieved based on their recruiting ranking, and he's going to raise their level up. I think it starts with the individual's technique, their fundamentals, and working with them as individual players uh, and their position coaches, then obviously working them into a scheme that's going to work. And, you know, you got Sonny Styles. Uh, and C.J. Hicks, they both come in as linebackers slash safeties, but more run-enforcing type of safety guys as five stars in this recruiting class. And maybe I'm putting the weight of the world on their shoulders, but I think Ohio State needs one of them at least to be a standout early, uh, an immediate impact. Unfortunately, Styles is a later enrollee, so he hasn't seen the field yet. Uh, and then they've got three five stars along the or the defensive front in JT Tuimolowau, Jack Sawyer, and Zach Harrison, who's been a disappointment, a decent player, but not living up to his recruiting ranking. But the other two, they hit camp late, JTT, not until August. And, and so they really didn't hit their stride last year as freshmen. I think way too much was ex expected of them to be immediate impact players. But now this second go around, Man, if this defensive front lives up to its expectations, they could be a wrecking crew up front. They could be really good. And then my last case on, on Knowles would be uh, he did take Duke uh, as a defensive coordinator to an ACC championship game. That's a bit of a miracle right there. And he brings over Tanner McAllister, who played 44 games at safety, second team all Big 12, two consecutive years. He's mentoring and teaching the other players in this defense, and I think that that could be a huge lift and learning accelerator for this defense. All right. Second to last reason I mentioned I'll let you counter is the transformation of the Michigan culture. I look at the 2018 and 2019 size and scope of those Ohio State wins, and I don't know that Michigan quit in those two games, but at the very least, its will and spirit were broken. And I, I, I do think that even the most rabid Bucknut has to acknowledge that last year culturally just looked like a dramatically different Michigan team. It looked like when Harbaugh first took over, it looked like really what, you know, Michigan frankly looked like for, you know, from 1969 to 2007, basically. Um, maybe they their personnel some years was better than others, but culturally, that was the expectation, performance level, fight level, cohesiveness level of a Michigan football team that was kind of lost here uh, for the last decade plus. Now, you could argue, if you want to say, hey, Aiden Hutchinson's a, huge, Aiden Hutchinson's a huge, huge part of that, and so the jury is still out on whether that'll be retained with him gone. 
I mean, I, I, I'm okay with that. But you have to, I think anybody would acknowledge that on a cultural level, things were just dramatically different at Michigan. Even the, you mentioned you picked up the Athlon's football preview. I mean, the anonymous coach quotes uh, analyzing Michigan in there. Hey, it looked like Michigan again. The way they played, the violence on film, you know, they hadn't looked like that the last couple of years. So I, I don't think, even though it's a big revenge spot, clearly for Ohio State, the moment I don't think will be too big on a cultural level for this Michigan program. And I'm not sure that wasn't the case like in 2018 when they just got ran right out of the stadium with the Big Ten championship on the line. Yeah, so over this 15 to 18 years of dominance for Ohio State, I would say in reviewing, and there, and there was so many different, the, the Ohio State consistency with the program just so overmatched Michigan where you had Brady Hulk and you had Rich Rod and you, you just had various transitions that really caused them to take a couple steps back uh, in having to deal with a much superior program from a talent standpoint and then also transition themselves. So there were a lot of rough roads in there for Michigan to try to navigate culturally within this Ohio State period of dominance. So, and, and I would guess, I would say, I don't have to guess, we both know the scores through the years, about a third of those Ohio State wins were blowouts. And so we, we are probably largely past that. It's just been an anomaly, aside from the bad Michigan teams of the late 2000s, 2008 to 10 range, that that Ohio State would go out and stomp Michigan by four touchdowns. It's just that's I think we're past that on a on in a semi regular basis. So you can speak to the Michigan culture. I believed it. Uh, that was the the large talking point for both of us throughout the off season last year, and we got our answer. And it's a, it's a different program and a different team than it was. And it wasn't broken before that. Maybe broken against this team on the last weekend of November. But going 9-3 and three range, 10-2, and two, largely under Jim Harbaugh, it, it wasn't broken to begin with under him. Final reason, the game's still in late November, man. It might snow again. I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I have just been... I, the, I now understand what Ohio State fans meant for the longest time where they were like, we really miss you guys being good. I, I, I kind of viewed it as condescending for a long time, mainly because I was just bitter. But I, I kind of get it now, okay? Because whether it's Gene Smith, hey, if, if they we play the playoff expanded on campus sites, we're going to play in Indianapolis. Or the amount of, hey, we only lost that game because it snowed. Dude, C.J. Stroud still threw for like 400 friggin' yards, okay? I mean, somewhere, the late, great Woody Hayes has taken off his short sleeves and is choking somebody in the Ohio State program with them, asking them, are you freaking kidding me? The amount of complaining there has been and noting about the snow and the weather, I, I am just been flabbergasted watching that since the game, Mark. I mean, I, I don't know what else to... Listen... <laughs> I've been following Michigan football for the last, since 1983. I've not missed a game. And I have certainly followed it here in the 15 years of ass whoopings. I know what soft looks like. I just described it. We looked very soft in 2018, 2019. The reaction to this one loss and blaming it on the snow is, I don't know, it's just soft, man. It's just soft. And somewhere, Woody Hayes, 
tearing up a sideline marker in minus 30 wind chill with a short sleeve shirt on just is rolling over in a grave and cannot believe that that was that is being used as a rationale or an excuse I, I if they had the college football playoff in the 70s and the AD at Ohio State said well you know I mean we might have to play that game indoors if instead of uh, you know Alabama on Cam- Woody Hayes you'd had to call the you had to call the the the, the 5-0 all right, armed guard to get to, to, to between Woody Hayes and that athletic director with red rum in his mouth. I cannot believe how soft some Ohio State fans and even the admin administration has been about this, Mark. Steve, I, I always come to the table measured and uh, reasonable as you set it up each and every week. But I came and wanted to with a little bit more scarlet and gray emblazoned all over me. I hear ready you. For- yeah. And because I felt pretty uh, confident about all these points in Ohio State's continued, maybe not dominance, but ownership of the series until we got to this point. This is the point of embarrassment right here. And I knew it before they played the game. I think I told the story that I text, I saw the weather forecast. It was about midnight the night before the game. And I texted my kids when I saw the forecast. Uh oh! I texted them the forecast, screenshotted the forecast, and I put uh oh. I didn't like that, and I don't want to be that that guy. And that's not an excuse. That is a a a mark, <laughs> a slam against my team, my program. Exactly. I only wrote down one word to this point, and I wrote down Woody. I did the same thing. I thought <laughs> Woody Hayes would be. This is ridiculous. So I got a few years on you, Steve. And so I saw Woody coach uh, three of these games, the all losses, of course, to close out his tenure. But still, if you're a true football fan and the game has changed considerably, the rules have changed, the passing game, the proliferation of spacing and all that, but it's still a man's game. And, and, and most football players and most football people can, can um, tolerate to a certain extent losing but when your manhood is challenged and you look like the lesser individual physically on the field, that especially in the Big Ten, you can't take that. I'm as much of a Big Ten fan in some respects as an Ohio State fan, and I've taken some type of uh, uh, I've taken a little bit of pride, and you've even made this comment, I believe, at times that Ohio State is kind of not just separated itself in terms of winning percentage from this league, but in terms of style of play and sure. and recruiting yep. nationally and all those things yep. have kind of separated itself. And largely that's been a good thing. It was not a good thing on the last weekend of November last year. That was embarrassing. It was horrible. Uh, I caught a stat this week that Ohio State rushed the ball 13 percent less last season than the average FBS team. They were 110th in rushing attempts. Okay, this is from a team that was blowing almost everybody out. So so that's even taking into account where you should be running the football. Right, garbage they, time, running the clock out, right. And there's the, the mindset has got to change. The physicality has to change for this football team. Hopefully they were challenged and beaten down and their manhood was challenged last November, and that has not left them, hopefully. Good stuff, Mark. Yeah, appreciate it, Steve.
All right, so I believe, what is it, uh, 943 days since Ohio State's beat Michigan in football or something like that? <laughs> Don't be the guy on social media that I see with the series record, yeah. you know. that, that Dude, it happens be- once every 15 years, man. I'm living this sucker up. All right. I've got a, I've got I spent hundreds of dollars on a framed photo of the post game celebration. It's on my stairs. I mean, once every 15 years, whether you like it or not. So I'm enjoying it. All right. Good to see you again, Mark. Take care. Thanks, Steve. All right. We'll come back. Wrap things up here in a moment. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you. It's almost exactly one year away. Are you excited for EA Sports College football game to return one year from now, and there's only right answers here. 54% of you said yes. 16.3% of you said hella yes. 29.8% of you had my answer. I want it right now. Cannot freaking wait until this game comes back. Uh, I did a lot of reading about it over the weekend. A lot of cool stuff in store. Again, I cannot freaking wait uh, until that game returns. That brings us now to our feedback of the week from Grumpy SOB, who says, I love our staff. Plenty of time to get kids, meaning recruits, lose kids, flip kids. Just hope Michigan isn't trying to be honorable with all of this NIL crap. If others are offering cash to sign kids, call the boosters and get it rolling. With that said, NIL is already killing part of the sport for me. I actually am starting to warm up to Michigan's approach to NIL, and I think perhaps we'll dig into that in a future Michigan podcast episode here before the season begins, because one of the things that I do think is fascinating to watch is if you pay a bunch of money up front for players who haven't signed yet and haven't played yet, what does that do to your locker room? What does that do to your culture? As opposed to the distinction of, hey, if you come here and play, there's all kinds of money waiting for you when it's your time, when you're a part of the team, as opposed to up front before you are. We'll get into more of this at a later date here on Michigan Podcast. For now, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, share, follow, etc. Whether you're watching here on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you, please. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast as well. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.